Welcome to the Disruptor Series Podcast, Adweek's Agency Podcast of the Year. Every episode, we listen to and learn from people who are disrupting business, culture, and life. Here are your hosts, Asha Davis, Strategy Director, and Rob Schwartz, CEO of TBWA Shive Day New York. Thank you for tuning in. Our guest today is Cindy Winters. And you may know Cindy because she is Nala in Disney's The Lion King. And uh, what's cool about Cindy is that she is a bona fide Broadway star. She's done Motown the Musical. She's done Pippin. She's done Hamilton. She's done so many cool things. She's also worked with artists such as Snoop Dogg, Big Daddy Kane, and Grandmaster Flash. That's pretty good. We're going to have to delve into that. And what's also amazing about Cindy is that she is working on a play about Lena Horne. Or no, you, you've done the play on Lena Horne called Lessons from a Lady. So without any further ado, Cindy Winters, welcome. Hi, hi. Podcast. Welcome. Hi. Happy to be here. Wow. You've done so much cool stuff. Thanks. Well, Thanks. listen, I, I think we have to start with the biggest disruption of all, which is Broadway. Broadway has been disrupted. How are you dealing with this? You know, I cried this weekend, Rob. It's been 10 months. So I think I was due for a cry. It's like, you know, you get hit a cry once a month and you just kind of you toughen up and you just keep it moving. But like, you know, honestly, I've spent the last 15 years of my career, of my life in my career as a performer. I've performed at least a few times a week for the last 15 years. So the idea that not only Broadway is canceled, just live performances in general are canceled. It really has impacted not only myself, but everyone in this industry since the shutdown. It has put about 97,000, almost 100,000 people out of work. And that's mm. including actors, it's including theater employees, front of house, ushers, ticket takers, launderers, wardrobe, lighting designers, lighting technicians, sound, all of those components mm. that come together to create this thing that the audience sees. So yeah, we miss it, but also we miss the camaraderie. Our entire industry is just like flatlined right now. And so there's been a huge disruption because, you know, Broadway brings in about 15 billion with a B with a B billion not billion billion dollars (laughs) into New York City into the state really and so with a lot of it is with tourism and the like so you know New York is gonna take a hit for sure Mm -hmm. without Broadway so the Broadway League and Senator Schumer and Tom Schumacher of the president of Disney theatrical, as well as like, he's one of the executives. I think he's the chair of the Broadway league is, are they working so hard to get us back, but there's nothing we can do until we're medically cleared to convene. And so what are you doing in the meantime? Are you doing, you know, kind of zoom shows? Like what's a Broadway gal to do? What am I not doing? <laughs> tell us, tell us. You know what I mean? Like, what am I not doing? Okay. So when the shutdown happened, I decided that like, all right, I had already wanted to continue working online, working virtually because I could mm. be anywhere. I could travel. Like I really wanted to travel more. And so I wanted to be online. So I began uh, developing courses online that people can have access to me. And so I kind of brought all of that sooner and I launched the YouTube channel, Cindy Winters mm. TV. And I was getting a lot of questions about what's it like to be in the Broadway community? What's it like being a professional theater actor? What's it like balancing your schedule? How do you take care of your voice? Questions like that, that Mm. young people 
and young artists starting out want to know. Mm -hmm. So I launched this YouTube channel. It consists of anything from performance videos with mashups, Broadway mashups with your with pop songs and Broadway hits, along with educational information that you would learn about the business itself. You know, you wouldn't necessarily mm. like, I want to hear 32 cuts of a song or a monologue, although I do work with one-on-one -on -one with students in that way. It's more like, here's what you need to know about taking care of your voice when you have an eight show a week schedule. Heck, if you have mm. a, a weekend show schedule at your school, how do you audition? How you show up to an audition? How you present yourself? I created a school called ROAR, and it's an acronym that means resourceful, optimistic, authentic, and reliant. And so those are the pillars that we kind of stick to when we are, uh, when I teach my courses. Wow. And so all of that stuff, Cindy, has been just since the pandemic? Were, were any of these things anything that you had thought about, but you didn't have time for? You know, we'd love to hear Absolutely. I mean, I didn't have time to change my draws <laughs> when I was on Broadway. You know what I mean? Like, we're doing eight shows a week on top of uh, whatever other auditions for TV and film that we do. I'm also a singer-songwriter, so I'm in the studio making music. You know, I one day off. It's a Monday. And so mm. we do everything from get a hair appointment to your groceries to a doctor's appointment to any of those things and whatever else happens like i may also have an audition that day so we're trying to cram everything and so when the shutdown happened i was like "Ooh, cool i can kind of take a breath but uh, and i and i knew it was going to be like at least four or five months mm. right right but then six seven months eight months nine ten months now we're in it and there's no real answer. So funds and opportunities and ways to figure out how to continue to keep revenue coming in has been challenging for many of us, especially the ones who were completely stopped on March 12th, right when we were in shows. So for me, I had already been kind of working on this concept. And then I said, you know what, it's time. It's time to dare to do anything else. So I just push myself. I've thrust myself into this new avenue. I enjoy it a lot. You know, I'm sure that we're all spending time on computers. So our eyes are like, ah, so tired <laughs> and crazy. But I still get the, the connection with people, with, oh, yeah. with young artists. I also have done a lot of concerts live stream. Yeah. Mm. And I work with a company called Broadway Plus that has really found a beautiful way to connect Broadway performers with corporate companies and opportunities and birthday parties. And I, I do sing-alongs and Q and A's and meet and greets. So it's been really interesting in the variety of things that I've been doing. Mm. I've hosted a number of events for Broadway Cares, Equity Fights AIDS, and the Actors Fund to raise money that the funds go directly to the people in our community. I've moderated chats and talks. I produced this cast reunion of Jesus Christ Superstar when it aired on NBC, just on my Facebook page. And John Legend stopped by and said hello to us and like kind of hung out for a sec. So like any and everything that I, I would, mm -hmm. I wanted to get into hosting. I enjoy connecting and talking with people. And so I've just been testing it all. I've been doing this podcast three years. I, I may have to step down. You jump in, you and Asha, <laughs> you guys run go, no problem. I mean, I mean, you know, Cindy, what's really interesting that I hear and what you're doing is accessibility. So, yeah. you know, on the one end, you have become more accessible to your fans. And then someone like John Legend is suddenly more accessible to you. I mean, there's something actually quite positive 
that's also happening in this kind of big reset or big intermission. Absolutely. Big intermission, I should say. I would say, I would agree with you. I think we are more accessible to one another more than ever. You know, I, it's either an email or a text or a DM, you know, through Instagram or your social media and bam, people are all of a sudden open and willing to link arms, connect and move together Yeah, and help each other. And human resources the word human resources has never been more powerful than right now because literally we need people they make the world work yeah i I was gonna say you know for for our listeners just to go back cindy to what you said i mean i slid into your dms and that's how come you're here today you know i don't want to say that you know what i'm saying but i should slid into my dms (laughs) and i think if you were still doing eight shows a week i don't know if i would have got a response <laughs> we'd have had to slide it in there slide it in there i mean the disruptive series is kind of lit so i was like i'm i'm down for this you know? okay okay <laughs> the series is lit so that's our quotable so you know, we're gonna make sure we get that in the highlight reel here i think i think you know, cindy what's so refreshing you know to listen to you and to speak to you is Rob kind of mentioned this already, but just the sheer positivity that you're sort of approaching this with. You mentioned, you know, it's been 10 months and you just cried, you know, this week. And and I think there's something I think that folks across the board can sort of learn from how you have been sort of approaching this, because I think ignoring the fact that it's difficult, that's not the way. And I think you know, I would just love to understand from your perspective, A, you know, March 13th, March 12th, the first day that you just kind of heard that this was happening. What are the things that kind of went through your mind? You know what I mean? And then fast forward to quite recently when Governor Cuomo kind of announced a sort of push for the arts and kind of for the first time acknowledged we can't stay closed for a year, you know? So just kind of the dichotomy of of those sort of two feelings, if you will. In the beginning, like I said, it was, it felt like, okay, well, we'll take six months, you know, four or five months. I have a friend who was in China during that time and she had been in quarantine for four months. And I was thinking, okay, we're going to at least be here for four months. And so I honestly took that time to go, okay, well, I'm going to go home and just hang. I did that for 24 hours. <laughs> and then I got on a plane and because I heard, like there was a rumor that they were going to put a perimeter around New York. So I said, you know what? My family's in Florida. Let me get myself together. I grabbed the backpack. I grabbed this microphone and I said, I'm going. And so I was in Miami for seven months. Wow. And to be with my family for that long is like unheard of for a person in my, in my field. You know, we miss everything from birthdays, funerals, weddings, all of it. And being with them, my parents are dope. Granted, uh, I'm Jamaican. So listeners know, so am I. I'm Chinese Jamaican. So, okay. I like your joke when you said uh, half my family sells my hair, the other half buys it. Oh, <laughs> I'm here yeah. for it. I was like, and my mother's a hairdresser. How about that? That's part of my stand-up that, routine. Our listeners will hear that. Yes, yes. That rung true for me. But also because I'm such a, people have said that I'm a self-starter. I don't know, I don't know what that really meant, but I'm just like always doing something. I just couldn't sit still. You know, I wasn't raised in a house where you could sit. You always had to do something. Mm -hmm. And so 
I didn't have time. That's just kind of how my how I work. Like if something traumatic happens to me, I just like bounce back into fight mode rather than be like, "Why are you hitting me?" I'm like, "No, I hit back." And nice. so it was my effort in trying to hit back and say, "I still going to try to have control over my life and not allow this that has happened to me take me over emotionally. I still have to the mortgage is still due." <laughs> like, and also, you know, we've all suffered loss in one way or another, we've all lost somebody and it's been very close. And so when you compile that with the loss of your career, the loss of your friends, your loved ones, it becomes, I have no other choice but to flip that and try to pull the silver lining in everything mm-hmm. and bring mm-hmm. it down to like things that are simple. Sunshine, when you can get it, beautiful music when you can listen to it, words, a good meal. Mm, yeah. But, but it also sounds like it's been a pretty good period of creativity. And uh, I, I read before uh, we chatted, and this maybe harkens to your optimism, you know, that during the plague, Shakespeare wrote King Lear, Macbeth, and Antony and Cleopatra. Wow, yeah. So, uh, you know, maybe in the grand uh, intermission here, it's also a good time to be creative. Absolutely. And that's a part of the fight, right? So that's a part of the fight within me. I was like, nah, I'm going to take a nap for two weeks because I need it. Mm -hmm. But as soon as I'm up, I'm going to hit my computer. Rob, I I was touching my computer like it was punching buttons like I was at at an ATM machine. I was like, hopefully money come out. (laughs) If I punch in the right number, money will come out of this machine right here. (laughs) You know, (laughs) and so many ways to, to stay creative and also like create some sort of revenue somehow maybe we should just talk a little bit about some of your projects yeah. <laughs> uh maybe talk a little bit about what you're working on so you, it looks like you're doing uh, a lena horn project and yes. maybe tell folks who don't know who lena horn is and and why when you think about lena horn and all her activism along with all of her talent why is she so relevant today so lena horn was a american singer actress her prominent years were between the times of 1940, like in Hollywood, 1940s to early 2000s, you know. She actually passed away in 2010 at the age of 92. Wow. Um, she started her career at 16 years old, dancing as a chorus girl in the Cotton Club in the 30s and got an opportunity to sing a solo. From that, she started singing. She was on Broadway as a chorus girl and then her life sort of took her into this space where she was socially acceptable because of her skin tone. Mm. She was very fair skinned and she could get through doors that Mm. a lot of African-American performers couldn't get through. And so she was sort of a pioneer in the entertainment world for women like myself and Asha and Halle Berry and Beyonce. That's the company that I, that I'm in, just so you guys know, it's just, it's it's me, Cindy, Halle Berry. I mean, yeah, like the ladies who You know, Halle may reference (laughs) you or Beyonce may reference Disruptor Series podcast. Exactly. So just so our listeners know, you know, you heard it here first. By the way, I don't hear a lemonade podcast. We out here. So she paved the way to break the color lines in Hollywood. She also, not only in front of the camera, but behind the scenes, she was a huge advocate, a huge civil rights activist. She was in the rooms talking and negotiating and just listening and empowering 
her voice for the people who couldn't speak. And so I think that her story is still very, very relevant, unfortunately, today as it was then. I feel like I'm saying the same things that she said then. Yeah. Right. Well, it's all, again, not just bring it back to our trinkets, trash, T-shirts and what have you, but she was a huge disruptor, right? Huge. I mean, you had this, you know, Hollywood machine and she came in and, and just kind of broke right through it and took it to different places. You know, her renditions of songs were really powerful. So, yeah, good stuff. Yes. She actually had a civil rights inspired album that was banned. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. I was like, work. Wow. They you know, banned and, and your record? That's how you know you really made it. That's when like, you know you popping. Right? <laughs> Listen, and I mean, once, the, once they ban it, that's that's the best marketing plan you can have. Exactly. Yes, she exactly. was blacklisted on the Red Channel. She was mm. her name was on the list, and then flash forward, she was banned. That's crazy. That's crazy. You know, and 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 speaking about you know civil rights and 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 just sort of the importance of empowering you know communities of color but particularly black communities you know we're coming up on black history month where black people are about to be uh front Hopping. and center again you know since last year and i i just curious to hear from you cindy you know what are your thoughts and why is it so important for people to care about black people not just at certain times of the year you know i mean in america or in the world, but let's just talk about America for a second. Right. To care about, if you're a person of color, you would care about black people because when they get rights and when they get things passed in their favor, it, it benefits you. So thanks, black Americans. Thank you. Right. That's a, you know, mm -hmm. period, I think full stop. That's why you support. This country wouldn't be built without the, I would say help, but the work of right. black people and black and indigenous people you need to acknowledge that they their existence in this country is valuable and still is valuable right so i'm here for it because you know me being black and everything <laughs> it benefits me you know, you know what i'm saying I, I, listen i i also think that you know just to build off this theme and about what you do broadway and and entertainment and the people you've worked with Snoop Dogg, Big Daddy King, Grandmaster Flash. I mean, you know, this is, to me, the, the triumph of Black culture into the culture, creating the right. culture. Black you culture know? is American culture. Right? Yeah. And just when you would see, you know, people would pack houses to see Lena Horne, she would make sure that she had African-American musicians in her band. Mm. That's silly. It's like they made it up. Like they created it. Why are we having these conversations? So she would make sure that that would be a possibility to give opportunities to people. She used her platform to speak up. She mm. used her platform to make sure that her audiences were integrated. Mm -hmm. So these conversations, they're not that far away from where we are today. And it's just now economical. You know, this is an economic mm -hmm. conversation. Right. So supporting small businesses and, and supporting black owned businesses supporting businesses of color helps the economy as a whole. Right. And I think, so. you know, it's not just, you know, the responsibility of black people to empower black people. You know, no. I think something that, you know, you kind of have, you have in common with all of the people we're talking about, you know, Snoop Dogg was a guest on, on the Disruptor series episode, you know, and it's almost like having to put the entire world of the culture on your back to, to sort of move things forward, you know, and, and it's, it's important for 
you know, our listeners, even those that are not folks of color to really understand the importance of this community. And, you know, in some way, shape or form, everybody has been a participant, has been influenced, has been impacted by the culture that has been invented by Black culture. And so I think it's on all of us. It shouldn't be as disruptive as it is to say, you know, it's not only on Black people to, to oh, empower Oh, it trips black me people. out. It right. trips me out. You know, people who love Prince. Right. Prince is Black, y'all. <laughs> Blackity Black. Blackity Black. He does a lot of, did a lot okay. of R&B. Prince was Black. <laughs> so Michael Jackson, Black. Pop music is influenced through all different mediums, jazz, rock, black, black, black. So of course, to acknowledge, I heard a rumor that Beethoven was black. I was like, da, 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 da. <laughs> How he did that like that? <laughs> I get it, I feel it now. <laughs> he had a bop in it. <laughs> if that's true, I'm not sure. You know, right. all we have is like that's a bust. Why, that, I have no idea. That's why it worked with Rocket, right? With uh, Herbie Hancock, right? Wasn't that kind of a mashup? See? I there think it go. was. I, I don't know. You heard it here <laughs> first, guys. Disruptor <laughs> series. Breaking the news. <laughs> I don't know. All, all, all I know is that the administration we have now, that's what stuff needs to look like. So. Yeah, and I don't, and you know, my vice president, Jamaican. So, I mean, she's Jamaican and Asian. So, I'm not, I'm not mad. I always thought I was special, but here we go. <laughs> I'm out here. I'm out here. We got two on this call. So we got two on this call right now. And you say, is it a minority? I don't know. Right. Well, all, I, all, I consider all, myself, I call myself a blend diva. Oh. Asha, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. I want everyone in the Disruptor series to know that the term blend diva was coined by Cindy Winters. Okay. And that feel free to use it That's well. Good. You get you get the trademark. For yeah, it. we'll make sure to put a little TM with that quote. TM. <laughs> I love like <laughs> Elaine Welteroth, Blendiva, honey. Hey, she was such also a fierce Blendiva. I know. <laughs> such a fierce Blendiva. Disrupting. Amanda Gorman, MVP. Yes. Honestly, you guys, what? Oh yes. The best. There was a line in, in her poem that said, I'm gonna butcher it. She basically said like Accepting what just is as justice, eh, eh. Oof, that's poetry. It got me. I said, somebody, she's speaking to us. Somebody make her poet laureate of America. Wait. Of America. No, no, she's, she's, she's happening. <laughs> I watched her Instagram numbers skyrocket in seconds. I was like, wow, this is amazing to watch. I'm going on a tangent. I'm back. No, it's a beautiful no, 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 thing. No, no. That's she, a beautiful listen, tangent. I was also going to say, you know, that that's the power of, of Hamilton too, right? That's Hamilton right. takes what... I think everybody saw as, okay, an American story, but only saw it through one lens. Right. Mm -hmm. And when you break open Alexander Hamilton, okay, he, he's an immigrant. I think he, he's from, you know, uh, the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. You know, Same not maybe not Jamaica, but, you know, he's close. You know, his story is the American story, you know, an American 100%. story. So, and I think when you see that show too, you can't help but go, yes, that's what this thing needs to be. 100%. I mean, a big reason I love not, I, not only I'm a big fan of the show, I'm a big fan of the people who made it. Mm -hmm. And because they have such a beautiful view on the world and how things can be different. And they really make it their life's purpose to disrupt and in a kind, beautiful, loving, assertive way. And so right. the fact that they built in 
the female presence so strongly in oh, yeah. the storyline is what makes them so different. I mean, yes, like hip hop is a means of communication. Rap was a means of communication. The music was our way of doing things and it is a current temperature of like what's on the radio and like how we grew up listening to hip hop, reggae, reggaeton, salsa, gospel. But the biggest thing for me was when I joined the cast, we were asked to take on the American story and make it ours and tell mm. it the way that we would tell it. Mm. This is my language. Hip hop is my language. And as a Chinese Jamaican black woman in America, I am proud to share the story that I'm sharing because the characteristics of all of the Schuyler sisters that I had the honor to portray live inside of me. And so I was like, put me in coach, I'm ready to play. Mm. Love it. And the idea that I get to say it in my own language, in rhyme and in hip hop and in rap, it allowed me to feel so much more empowered than I'm just, you know, singing something legit and classical. Because when you see the women come out in the corsets, you're expecting one thing, but you're going to get a whole mouthful of something else. <laughs> I love that. And, and, you know, Cindy, there is like a whole sort of movement and narrative, even in the corporate world around bringing your full self to work. Right. Say and, again. Say you know, it. And so how much better someone could be at their job if they are able to be themselves at work, you know, and, absolutely. You know, I feel privileged to work at TBWA Shia Day, New York with MF CEOs like Rob Schwartz, who, you know, and an entire sort of team from a leadership standpoint that truly supports that. And I think that not everybody a, understands that, and B, has an opportunity to do that. And I think also, as we think about especially people of color, especially Black people, especially what you might learn at home in terms of what's appropriate to be in professional situations, you know, I think that there is something to think about and to learn and to sort of feel empowered to be your full self, you know, whether it is getting the privilege of a lifetime to be in Hamilton, you know, as a woman of color who gets to speak her own language through history in a way that had never been done or to work in a corporate setting and to be able to demonstrate your intelligence using words that feel right to you. you know? Right. Absolutely. Like, listen to my message. Right. How I'm saying it. Sure. Whatever. But like, I was actually having this conversation last night. I grew up a Jamaican culturally, right? The way that we communicate and Asha, you know, we just say the thing and then, then that's it. Like you just go about your business and you, you're gone. Oh, there's the accent. Okay. We don't get <laughs> the thing, hung mom. up. We don't get, <laughs> good. we're going to work on it, Rob. <laughs> you don't get hung up on how somebody said something to you because they're very direct. Right. Our people are very direct. And so you take what it is and you just roll with it. I have an American accent. But the delivery is Jamaican. It's culturally from my people. So it can feel abrasive. It can feel direct. It can feel rough at times. And so I've had to learn to speak other cultures mm. in order to get clear with people in my communication. And so it's been really interesting kind of learning that because everyone comes from a different home. Everyone comes from a different culture. And so like, if you're able to have that in your work environment, then you can get an understanding rather than Asha came at me and she said something crazy to me. I didn't like how she said it. You're like, that's not even, that wasn't the intention. It was 
sometimes it just comes out like this. Right. Can we work together? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that we should continue to, I'm, I'm actually teaching a course on this leaving room for magic in the creative process in the workplace Mm. and coming Mm. from my perspective as an actor there there are so all it is is an opportunity for us to create something together and you can't do that without another person well i this is a critical point so i grew up through the creative side of our business and um i'd love to get your take on this part of the creative process was a room that was loose and a room that was you were able to tell jokes, not at the expense of other people, but just a loose room where shit happens. Right. And I'm a little concerned now that there's so much fear not to offend somebody that if anything, you're being less than your whole self at work. In fact, you're being kind of automatron perfect person. Don't say the thing that might offend somebody. So I'm curious, how, how do we, how do we be creative, leave room for magic? I love your phrase in a cancel culture world. Right, so thank you. I think that's so important. And I think part of that is that you would bring your full self and you would say your, you know, whatever your joke is or your, your, free, your free thought. And then you have other voices in the room that look differently and come from different cultures and say, to say, yeah, okay, I get the joke. It's well-timed. However, in this culture, it would probably, we, put, we may not want to use that if it's going out because mm-hmm. we know for a fact that it will offend my grandmother or it will offend my sister. Mm-hmm. I understand what you're doing right? because I understand craft, right? But in this world, probably not. However, I do think, and particularly being in the rooms and getting to be creative in those spaces, you be respectful of people as they are, like as they come and they approach you, you don't bring some sort of preconceived notion about anything that happened prior with of someone who is similar in gender, race, culture, religion. Well, by the way, I think I think you said the key point, which is who is in the room. Right. So if it's a room full of dudes, you're going to have an issue. You know, if it's right. a room where everybody looks the same, you're going to have an issue. Yeah. So I think if the rooms you know, in the room where it happened. So if you get everybody in the room looking like, I, I always come back to our administration now, we could probably be a lot looser. Yeah. And yeah. we start to learn a cohesive language. Mm. It's not about being afraid of saying something. Say it. I need you to say it. Like during Black Lives Matter and this whole, like mm. when we were having a super revolution, I had so many of my white friends calling me. He's like, are you okay? I'm sorry. I'm like, what you sorry about? <laughs> I need you to say why you sorry. Right. And I also need you to say why you didn't speak up before. And then also want to hear your feelings on it, whether you feel like you don't want to say anything or you for fear of saying something wrong. I'm like, I just need you to say it so we can give me the opportunity mm. to offer you the feedback. Yeah. Just and, say it. Yeah. And a big thing that I've been going through the last couple of years is like, it's like vocabulary. Like the mm. more vocabulary that I have, the more I can like connect with people. And I'm not talking about SAT words. I'm talking about how I can connect with human beings. Mm. Yeah. Because that's beautiful. That's important. That's great. This is a quick joke, I think. And Vogue had a song called Say It. So I think that's just what it is. Free your mind. Free your mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, for your mind and the rest will follow, right? Isn't yes, exactly. Oh, right. oh, Mr. Schwartz knows that song. <laughs> listen, we're, we're, we're going to do Pippin later, too. You know, Rivers Belong, where they can ramble. Cast in 2014. Did you do Pippin? <laughs> I did. Pippin is, is the first play that I really remember. 
Really? Yeah. And I, and I don't know. I, I get like a weird feeling when I think about it. Oh, yeah, right. Because it was, it was challenging a lot of, a lot of issues politically and socially during is that, that what time. It is? I, I, I sing Corner of the Sky to my wife and I just break up laughing. And I, I have the worst voice, so it's not even worth it. But <laughs> Anyway, so let's talk a little bit about your journey. Yes. Did you always want to do this thing? How did you get into this? How did you get from where you were to the Broadway stage playing Nala? One day at a time. Or always give us three. <laughs> so when I was a kid, I loved Michael Jackson. Like whatever Michael Jackson wanted to do, I wanted to do it. You know what I mean? Mm. I was like, he kicking his leg, I'm gonna kick his leg. You know, like I saw dancing zombies, I was terrified, but once I realized they were in coordination, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I came from behind the couch, thought that that was really cool. Gun, gun, <laughs> do the dance. <laughs> and, and I saw Thriller, but my formative Michael Jackson years was through the Bad Album era. Ooh, we had the S curve in the front, oh, yeah. light skin mic. I was here for it. <laughs> So I loved I, Smooth Criminal, Moonwalker, that, you know, that premiere, remember, and when we got to Dangerous, remember the time, all that stuff. So anything Michael Jackson wanted to do, I wanted to do. I didn't know if it was singing, dancing, acting, any of that. And then MTV, you know, played music videos and the Disney Channel had all kinds of music and VH1 and BET. And like, I would just be that person with the VCR, put the tape in, record it. That was my training. Mm. My family, we did things. I went to dance, but... I was three and then that stopped. And then I started to, uh, going into free music program at my school mm. because it was getting expensive. And you know, if they offer it for free in school, take it. And mm -hmm. I tell young people all the time, participate in every free program because it will influence you at every part of your life. Mm. So I started taking anything that was free. When I moved from Long Island, I went to Miami, Florida, and that's when like dance was included in schools as an elective and so i took advantage of that and i was a part of the school musical and i was in the dance company at school and then i was asked to choreograph some of the numbers in school mm. and choreograph the glee club we'd win awards and so i started like i knew that i wanted to be a performer mm. my mom for years she's owned a beauty salon in brooklyn and i remember being like a kid and begging people for money. I was like, I'll sing for you if you give me a quarter, right? <laughs> and they're like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, I want to be a singer. And my mother said, don't you want to be a pediatrician? I was like, I can't spell that. <laughs> how about a singing doctor? <laughs> okay, how about a singing doctor? The knee bones connected to the thigh bone. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Please don't charge us extra for that. Here. Follow my TikTok. I'm out here in these streets. So... I, I just knew that I wanted to do that. And mm. I use Whitney Houston and I use Mariah Carey and Celine Dion and as my mm. teachers and Bob Marley. Cause come on, right? come on. <laughs> I'm honestly like, my father's a Chinese Rasta. Oh, okay. All right. So like I grew a yellow up, man, right? Wasn't, wasn't a yellow man? No, he was just albino. Oh, okay. <laughs> but yellow man, we have so much, my father, my father's a, was a concert photographer as well. Wow. And so we have oh, so many actual, so cool. have pictures of like yellow man in, just like in his portfolio. I'm like, wow. is yellow man. How about the, yes. the toots from toots and the Maytals? Oh, uh, may he rest. Oh, yes, yeah. toots. Oh, my, my grandmother's sister's husband was one of the whalers. So you go to what? that. You never told me that. Yeah. So my great uncle, I think that you'd call him, was one of the whalers. See? 
you, everything traces back to Bob, right? The gong. Right? I, love, so, I listen. I, I couldn't live life without reggae. You say yellow man, Rob. You really on it? Yeah, that's deep in the crates, you, right? You, you <laughs> eat those crates with it. You sifted. <laughs> I remember going to when I was a kid. When I was in high school, my father would take me to Stephen Marley's mm. uh, recording studio. Wow, in his home, wow. and I would sit and I would listen to them create music and then i would go to the rehearsal room when they would go rehearse in the studio and i would watch them live rehearse and then i would get the privilege to go on to the concerts and watch backstage how they do things and pick it apart and take what i learned and grow with that mm. and it's i'm so i'm so grateful for that time because those are my jamaican roots i watched the roots and culture from the inside and got to see it Right. And so I actually take that energy onto Broadway. By the way, who 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 is better, Steven or Ziggy? I have no comment. How dare you? <laughs> you can't ask a woman that. <laughs> How dare you? I mean, well, musically, people. You know, <laughs> Damien's my dude. He's sad. Look how love Damien Marley. He's like, <laughs> oh yeah. But Steve is. I love Stephen Marley. He's like been a big brother to me and. And all of all of Marley's big, you know, I always show lots of respect to yeah. their big influences in my life, whether or not they know it. And I'm on Broadway singing show tunes. <laughs> I take that with me. <laughs> That's so beautiful. And I, I mean, definitely one of the additional sort of uh, elements of your Jamaican-ness that you carry with you is having many, 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 many jobs, which is- Enough jobs. <laughs> enough jobs that, you know, for our listeners that may not know, Jamaicans are notorious for having many, 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 many jobs. Any Jamaican that you ever talk to will always, you know, have multiple ways to make money, you know? Yeah, they hustle, work at a clerk's office and they're at-home nurse. They, you know, they sell, they do hair. <laughs> and so, you know, just pivoting a bit, you know, we've learned a bit about your past and sort of how we've gotten here. And, you know, you've talked a little bit to us about some of the things that you've been doing since the pandemic, whether it's starting your YouTube channel, doing Zoom and virtual concerts, you know, I know I'm very excited to tune into one of your first live events since this all started, which you'll be doing from Vegas. Tell us a little bit about that as well as some of the other sort of things that you've got coming up in the future. Yeah, so this is, I've done some performance over the last year, but it wasn't my own show. I was just a participant in these performances and they've been really awesome and great. There are a couple of factors that I think about. Firstly, health and safety and security and, and all of that and making sure that you know myself along with my team go into a, a, a situation knowing that, you know, with the precautions, you know, taking care of ourselves. Uh, we are going to be live streaming from a venue called The Space in Las Vegas. Broadwayworld.com is going to be housing the live stream on their platform where it will be available after the performance for 30 days. So all of Black History Month, you can go on there and check it out. Hey. Hey. <laughs> I actually will be performing with, for the first time, a jazz artist named Ben Williams to blend my jazz roots, my Broadway roots, mm. and like soul R&B. You know, we call ourselves the Jazz Misfits. I have an album out inspired by Lena Horne called Lessons from a Lady, and he has an album. He's got several albums out. He's a Grammy Award-winning musician. He's incredible. And the pandemic actually brought us together. Wow. <laughs> I've been a fan of his work. I listened to his album. I reached out to him, slid into those DMs. Slid in the DMs. I slid in the DMs. <laughs> and I was like, you're amazing. I would love to, I'm a songwriter. I, if you ever want to collaborate, 
sure. And then I made a song based on one of his tracks. Wow. And then he was, it was kind of funny, but like, I was like, either this can be really funny or he'll be super insulted. I took one of his tracks, which is uh, it's called March On, and I created a song that promoted a Black-owned business. But this Black-owned business was a female sanitation napkin company. Oh, okay. Female products. Okay. Called Honeypot. Okay. And I made my song. And I was like, he's going to find this really great and creative and love it, or he's going to be like, unfollow. <laughs> Thankfully, it didn't, happen. <laughs> it didn't happen. So we've been actually working together and writing a lot of music together, and it's been really great in developing that sound. So we're going to be using, performing some of that stuff in Vegas for the first time. So it's a couple of things, you know, creatively, you know, making sure that we're safe and healthy, and then performing in this new medium where it's a mm. limited audience, but yet, you know, the potential of worldwide viewership mm -hmm. is kind of uh, new. So yeah. I'm looking forward to it. And by the way, it sounds like you got a jingle business that you've opened up now. Oh, that's a dream to write. Listen, jingles. if you could write something for FemCare, you can do anything. Right. Yes. <laughs> Go to my Instagram and check it out, you guys. It's like, I did. I just, I just uh, connected with you on Instagram. I'm excited. Yes. I'm totally following you, by the way. Oh. I'm totally following the Disruptor series, by the way. All right, good. Good. We got to get some content up there. Yeah, right. I was like, yeah, okay. I'm still going to follow. <laughs> to come. Very good. All right. Well, that's uh, your, your journey's good. I, and I think uh, it, it strikes me that's the power of MTV. Now, I'm a little older than you are, but I mean, MTV, that got me interested in advertising. You know, I mean, it's really? amazing how much creativity was packed into that little enterprise. The little shorts they did, the little films, and of course, all Absolutely. the Absolutely. Oh, I love, like, I... I miss watching music videos. I miss the music news. I, I got a lot of my news from MTV News of Cult, sure. Kurt Loader. Kurt Loader. <laughs> you know? Are you kidding? I Kurt got Loder all of my news John from Stewart. Kurt Loader. Uh, 100%. <laughs> and the pivot that it's taken with MTV, it's very different now. But I was raised on that stuff. Like, I know that there's another channel that has, like, it, it, you know, it's an app. And you can watch music videos. And I just love them. <laughs> on background because you know if you have a playlist or whatever you just yeah. watch the video in the background well listen I, I think what mtv did for our generations that's what tiktok's going to do for this generation you know you're going to see just an explosion of creativity you know coming absolutely out of TikTok. absolutely i learned how to redecorate my room on tiktok uh -oh. i learned finance tips on tiktok <laughs> wow I learned about global warming through Bill Nye the Science Guy on TikTok. Oh, that's my favorite. <laughs> so, so basically, you got you got your MBA through TikTok University. Yes. Very Indeed. good. Thank you. I like Thank that. You so much Listen, you you can use that one. <laughs> Big shout out to TikTok. You know, we uh, we gotta can, get them on the show. That one. Uh, <laughs> so, Honestly. <laughs> Cindy, thank you so much for your time. Typically, how we wrap up our interviews is with a piece of advice. And you've given us so many nuggets in our time today and, and would love to just understand from you, you know, what advice would you give to folks trying to figure out how to adapt and move forward in this vastly changed landscape? Um, ask for help. Ask for help. That's a good one. Ask for help. Usually what I would, you know, my usual comeback would be, you know, it, it still stands, but believe in yourself, know that you can do something, you know, push through, persevere. If at first you don't succeed, be yourself, be authentically yourself, learn about what that even is, right? But like I said in the beginning of our, our conversation, 
human resources. We need people. Right. You know, my very livelihood was just swiped away. And without the relationships and the friendships that I have with other folks in other areas of life, I don't know where I'd be right now. And I'm so grateful for that support. And I'm so grateful for that help. And we're all out here helping each other. You know, I'm a singer, I sing for a living and I make people's days brighter. Mm -hmm. That's a valuable trait to have. If you have somebody in your circle that can like give you a pick me up and see the light within you, you want to support them because that's what they generate. They ge help generate the light and they help push it along. And so I'm very confident in the art and artists and the value that they have to this country and the value that they have to this society. We, you know, commercial, you said advertising, you know, none of that would be possible without artists. Right. And so please continue to support. And for my friends out there, reach out and ask for help. Reach out and touch somebody's virtual hand. Make this world a better place. I'm going to stop right there because I don't want the licensing to come and get it. <laughs> <laughs> we did not pay for that. Thank you. Pay for it. Cindy, <laughs> Miss Winters, you are a rave light. Thank you so much for being with us, hanging with us, and just keep doing what you do. You're amazing. And uh, I can't wait. And I encourage all of us to not only see you in your Vegas thing, but I can't wait to see you on Broadway. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. An honor to be here. Thank you for asking me. Thank you so much. One love. Thank you for listening to the Disruptor Series podcast, Adweek's Agency Podcast of the Year. Craving more disruption? Visit us at tbwashydayny.com. <laughs>